I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8 this morning, but I'm going to read it three times. I'm just going to read it from the NIV first, very slowly, and I just want you to absorb and just really think about the words that are being said and see what God's saying to you. I'm then going to pause, and then I'm going to read it from the message. And then I shall read it again from the NIV in a little later. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So just before Anna reads it again from the message version, uh, you will notice on your tables you have hopefully a piece of paper, hopefully enough for everybody, and hopefully en enough pens for everybody. They're not everybody it needs to write this down if it's not useful for you, but we're going to do uh, what's called a lectio, which is basically a reflection through that passage. So what's going to happen is Anna's going to read it again, as I said, from a different version. The words will also appear on the screen uh, in the version that she's reading in. Uh, and there are Bibles on the table as well, which will be a slightly different version to what's on the screen, but you're welcome to have them open in front of you as well. And as we read through the passage again, as you hear the words again in a slightly different version, what we're asking is for God to highlight to each and every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, hopefully, uh, a particular word or phrase or verse uh, that particularly just jumps out to you. Maybe it just it's highlighted when you hear it, you just think it resonates with something. Uh, maybe it's a word that encourages you or challenges you. Maybe it's a verse you have a question about, you're not sure about, uh, whatever it may be. So just write that down if you find it helpful to write it down or just remember it if you uh, are not the person who, kind of the person who needs to write it down. Uh, so just as Anna, just as again, we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us afresh through your word? Your word that is living and active, we ask. So as 
does Anna just read through this again? Just write down any word, phrase, or verse that God particularly highlights to you as you hear these words. So, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourself as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. In this way, we are all like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way round. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So, since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't become bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself be, get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. So just take a moment to read through the passage. That you, If you have the Bible open in front of you, 1 Corinthians 12. Sorry, Romans 12. Uh, so if you want it in the Bible, it's on page 1139. 
And then what's going to happen is Anna's going to read through it just one more time uh, in, the, in the NIV, just at normal pace, uh, just in case you want to have that chance just to listen one more time, just to see if there's another phrase, uh, or the same phrase, just highlighting again for you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. So it may be that you, um, that a verse or a phrase or something uh, jumped out at you, was highlighted to you. And that may have been very personal to you. Uh, but if anybody felt like they wanted to shout out the word they had, then feel free to do so. Whether it's a word or a phrase, what encouraged you? Be what we are made to be. God wants the everyday us. God wants the everyday us. God brings out the best in you. Do not conform to the pattern of this life. In this way, we are like the various parts of the body. With the measure of faith that God has given to you. In your ordinary and everyday life, just serve God. You see, what I love about God's word being our daily bread is the fact that the word is living and active. Which means in just that short few minutes... Uh, we've all heard from God through his word in different ways. And even if you uh, had the same phrase as the person next to you, it may have a very different meaning to you to the meaning that it has to them because of the way in which God knows us all individually and knows uh, our needs individually. And as we approach him and as we approach his word, he wants to speak to us uh, and meet with us individually as well, as Rick was saying, to be that kind of source of, of daily bread. And I want to explain just why it is we just did that in the context of, of Romans 12. Romans 12 is a passage that 
um, has been hugely significant in my life over the years in various ways. And there's been various contexts in which I've uh, studied this passage with, with other people, other Christians, uh, sometimes in a small group setting, sometimes uh, preaching on it uh, in a church, other times one-to-one uh, discipleship meetings, whatever it may be with an individual. And the thing I find, the question that seems to come up uh, more than any others when you look at particularly verse 2 is people are constantly asking, what does it mean to renew your mind? Because it's a phrase that Paul uses more than once. He doesn't just use it here. He uses it in lots of different places. And uh, everybody can say, oh, I really want to know what God's will is. But Paul says in order to know God's will, you've got to renew your mind. So how do we do that? Well, you've kind of just done it. You've got, in the past few minutes, you, you've just done it. Because in those few moments of just focusing your attention on the word of God, on scripture, on what was being read to you, on what you were hearing, the, the distractions of the world and the world around us, hopefully, or at least a little bit pushed to the side. And you've come away, I hope and I pray, with a word or a phrase that has either encouraged you or inspired you or maybe challenged you or equipped you or or done something for you on a personal level that hopefully that's going to sit with you for the rest of the day. That God may just keep popping it up again and you might just keep thinking of it. And every time you do that, your mind is being renewed. Because every time that happens, what you're doing is you're focusing on the person of Jesus Christ and the truth of his word. Because the reality is in life, we we hear and we believe so many lies. We can be so distracted from the things of God. All these things can go on around us. But when we focus on the truth of who Jesus is, of what his word says to us, of how he wants to be involved in our lives, then our minds are being renewed. Now, this is only one way of renewing our minds. There are lots of other ways of doing it, by being in fellowship and community together, by worshipping together, uh, by by worshipping at home on your own, by reading the word or reading things around the word or meeting with other Christians uh, for coffee. There are so many ways in which we can uh, seek to renew our minds, but it's something that Paul held as being really important because we know that our emotions are deeply complex, (laughs) Our emotions are very complex. And our minds are complex too. But Paul put a great deal of emphasis on the importance of renewing our minds, of focusing our minds on the things of Jesus Christ. So that when perhaps our emotions are failing us or a bit up and down all over the place, we know the truth. We know the truth of who Jesus is, And what his word says to us about who we are in him. And when we're able to do that, we find that all the other things in the life of the church that we've been thinking about over the past few weeks find their proper context in him. Find their proper place in him rather than the distractions of the things that may be around us or the opinions we may have held tightly to or the thoughts and feelings of, of how we think should, things could and should be done, uh, whatever it is, but we're focusing on who we're here for this morning right now. Whatever uh, reason you feel you're here this morning, whatever you think led you here this morning, you're here for such a time as this and you have an opportunity for Jesus to feed you. 
and for you to glorify him together. And it's a wonderful gift that we have, the gift of the church. And the reason that we've been thinking over the past few weeks about spiritual gifts, about uh, honoring one another, about the great chapter of love that you looked at last weekend with Peter, the reason we've been focusing around all of these things is because we want the church to thrive as best it can, as best she can. And it's in the context of that love. It's in the context of knowing Jesus. It's in the context of knowing his truth together that we're able to pin all these other things. Paul is saying that as, as, as he's writing to the church in Rome, he's calling them to be countercultural to the world. And the way we're countercultural to the world is by renewing our minds, fixing our eyes, our minds, our thoughts on the person of Jesus Christ. The only person, the only thing in this world that is constant is Jesus. And in a world that just seems in turmoil and confusion, he is the one thing, as Mary found when she sat at his feet and her mind was renewed in that moment, focusing on him and every word he had to say. A beautiful moment of discovering Jesus as the one thing. And it's as we do that, we begin to realize more of what his will may be for us as his children, as the ones that he loves. We begin to see what his will is for the church, for us when we gather together. And when you look at the body of Christ in the context of having our minds renewed and in the context of Jesus being the front and center of all that we do together, of all of our life together, we realize again, Jesus, the head of the church, the head of the body is the one thing. And then you look at this wonderful list of gifts again that we've already looked at over the past few weeks. And I particularly love this version in, in Romans because uh, the way that Paul seems to bring together all the themes of Corinthians that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, of, he, of Ephesians that we looked at right at the beginning of this series. And he's kind of pulling all those things together into this one place where he's talking about the body of Christ, the, the, Jesus being the head. He's talking about spiritual gifts in the verses we'll look at next. Next week, he goes on to talk about love and honor and all those things that we've been reflecting on in a really beautiful way. And he draws out some key themes that really matter, that really matter to us as a church. And that is having Jesus as the one thing, fixing our eyes on him, of our worship being our everything, not just our Sunday and actually, one of the most important words in the whole of this scripture, I wonder if anyone had it as their word when they were reflecting through, was the word therefore. Right at the beginning, Paul says, therefore. And by that he means, in light of all of the truth of Romans 1 to 11, which is essentially the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in light of everything that Jesus has done, in light of everything that Jesus is, in light of everything you've received by grace, live your lives for Jesus. Live your lives in worship to him. So when we're talking about spiritual gifts, as we have been over the past few weeks, we need to understand that the giving and the using of spiritual gifts 
is not a part of service as a separate thing or a thing that we do because there are needs. It's a part of our worship. Or as we say, when we receive a collection and we pray over it, everything comes from you and of your own do we give you. That's what the gifts are about. Everything comes from you and of your own do we give you. To bless and serve and honour one another is all a part of our worship that streams from that place of Jesus being the one thing in our lives. Paul goes on in verse 3 to talk about the importance of humility in that context as well. The importance of not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. And as we've said uh, about humility before, that humility is not so much about thinking less of yourself, as in woe is me, aren't I terrible? But humility is thinking of yourself less. Because you're renewing your mind and thinking of God more, and you're thinking of those around you more. That's the biblical concept of humility, and he's saying the importance of that And then goes on to talk about the wonderful things about the gifts. And I just want to draw out this one thing about those gifts. As you read through them, and it is a beautiful list, just as one body with many members, we we don't all have the same function. Remembering what we said a couple of weeks ago, that uh, God did not just create the church to be diverse. He created us to depend on that very diversity. And so we have this diverse church with the many gifts. And then he lists some of them again. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And if it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging him, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I don't know about you, but that sounds really life-giving to me. It sounds really life-giving to have a group of people who have these gifts and love using them and love stepping out in their gifts and love just doing what God's called them to do. And that's how it's designed to be. When we receive the gifts as a church from God and as individuals, it should hopefully, yes, it will at times be challenging and it will at times be a sacrifice and it will at times be uh, something we have to step out of our comfort zones. But using the gifts that God has given us should be a joyful thing. A thing that we can rejoice in together. We've been talking about the importance of uh, recognizing the gifts in each other over the past few weeks. That if you recognize that somebody has a gift um, and you, you know they've got that gift, to just say it, tell them that you know they've got it. But I also want to take it a step further and say every time you see someone using their gift, really celebrate that with them. <laughs> You know, I just love the way that you use your gift to do this this week. It was so good to see you stepping out in that. Just encourage one another because it should be a joyful thing. And I often find or I found in times that when we're feeling like we're using our gifts and it just feels like a massive obligation to us or really hard work, then there's probably one of three things that might have happened. There could be more, but one of three things that might have happened. The first thing is you may need to learn the rhythm of rest a little better. (laughs) The need for Sabbath and the need to work from rest, not work to rest. The second thing that may have happened uh, is that your giftings may have changed and shifted. And we've not reviewed it in a helpful way. 
The third thing that may have happened is that the thing that you're serving in should have finished a long time ago. And we've always said before that the church is really good at starting things. It's terrible at stopping them when they've had their season. And so this constant need for review in our own daily lives, but also in the life of a church, is a really important thing, which is what we're seeking to do this year by asking you what matters to you. What do you carry? What are the things that matter to you the most? So that we can begin to focus the ministries of this church, the life of this church, into those things that are life-giving and life-enhancing and life-informing for each and every one of us. I read Romans 12, and I just get excited about what the church could be. And I hope you do too. That if we continue to have Jesus as the one thing, And continue to offer him in worship everything that he gives to us. Continue to honor one another and seek to build one another up. Continue to live in humility, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought. And serving where God has called us and gifted us to serve. Then that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'd say it's something we already do well here. But we can always do more. We can always step one stage further in our discipleship, whatever it may be in our journey together as a church. But it all begins with that place of Jesus being our one thing. The one thing. Renewing our minds so that he is our focus. And as our verse says for this year, those who remember... He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our one true vision, as we sang at the beginning. And so I just want you to just to think about a phrase or word that you had this morning. And to just hold that before God and to say, Jesus, what does this show me about you being my one thing? And almost like Mary does uh, in the story of Mary and Martha, I just want to encourage you to just picture yourself this morning at the feet of Jesus. And maybe some of you may be sensing that invitation from him to worship. Others may have that sense of him just speaking truth over you. Others may have a sense of him gifting you with a particular gift or calling you to a particular ministry. Just receive what you, he has for you this morning.